<laughs> What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Too Much Test Podcast, episode 52. Today we're talking about icing our balls, uh, GLP-1 agonist. We're going to talk about a big thing that I almost screwed up that could have cost me a lot of money. And uh, yeah, I'm here with my host, Sam Stolp. Uh, you know Sam. Sam's awesome. Um, check out our sponsors, HC Gains, which I'm going to have a new one here soon, and we'll talk about that. Go check out the Triggered brand. Check out all the links in our description, uh, all the stuff that we're associated with. And uh, yeah, so uh, Sam, how uh, how is it with cold balls? Let us know. Hey, uh, so hey, good to see you. Uh, it's been a little while. Um, you mentioned check out the the sponsors if you guys enjoy the show, hcgains.com and the triggeredbrand.com. Uh, also, leave us a, re a review if you like the content. I um, I was thinking about getting my girlfriend pregnant and so when you take testosterone or SARMs and you've been doing that for years uh, or other gear, uh, it doesn't really, you know, align objective wise, right. With your actions in life. And so I, um, I got my LH and FSH levels checked last week. I actually, I could probably pull them up at, when you're telling your story. Uh, Cause I actually haven't checked the results yet. And I'm something I need to do, but Interesting. LH and FSH levels. So I wanted to test something. I want to see uh, if I can get her pregnant while still being on testosterone, 270 milligrams a week and see, you know, what the effects are. So I've seen, I think vigorous Steve. And then there's a guy who does like a lot more biohacking type stuff, but he also does this and he's talked about it before and his results and how positive uh icing your balls has right because you're like well that doesn't make any sense but there's fighters and stuff like this like my brother used to tell me about like for mma they used to do this shit like that and the idea behind this is like our balls are not like in our body because they need to be at a cooler temperature yeah and like i wear boxer briefs right so, which probably doesn't help because they're slightly like constrictive or yeah. like, not they're boxers at least and boxer briefs and, are the most comfortable underwear in my opinion, but keep going. <laughs> your boxer briefs are, are by far the, that's what I have. That's what I do. Boxer briefs are by far the most comfortable underwear in my opinion. Um, and I like the plastic, like the nylon ones. I have some ones that are like cloth and they're just, they're just too tight in one particular area. It's uncomfortable, but. Yeah. On. Well, I like the, the, the blend, the blend. So I've got like a blend for mine where it's like, I don't know, 20, 30% uh cotton and 20 and or like maybe 50 percent cotton and 50 percent something else so they're like oh, stretchy but they're still cottony and, oh, and cool. they're super super duper comfortable but anyways so icing your balls right so if if, if you're have like oxidative stress in your balls uh from like lifestyle or your you know diet sleep whatever the case is trauma to your balls like physical trauma or things like that you can have damage to your balls. And one thing you can do to help with that is by increasing blood flow. So when you go through and you ice your balls and they get physically cold and then you take it away, what happens? Your body's like, oh, I want to warm that body part up. So they send fresh blood there, which is we need the blood for everything we do, right? Like if you don't have blood in your finger, your finger dies, right? If you don't have blood in, in your kidneys or your uh, liver or something like that, that, that organ will die. If you if you cut off circulation to your leg, it will die. Right. And that's because you're removing all the blood flow to it. Well, that's so how they castrate I, bulls. 
my buddy used to work on a grew up on a dairy thing and they have a machine where they take this strong ass rubber band and they put it in this machine and it stretches it out and they just basically take it put it on the cow's balls you know up past the balls let it go and the rubber band just constricts the blood flow and they eventually just fall off <laughs> wow. so, so if, you, if your balls fall off you you're like that's where you're making testosterone so these bulls are not actual bulls anymore right they're more just like a lot of the men today right yeah i don't know exactly why they do that but yeah they're like the guys of today <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh i got my testosterone levels checked uh, or no i'm sorry i didn't i should have got my testosterone levels checked but i got my fsh and my lh levels checked and i'm gonna pull it up right now um I don't know if I can. I don't know. If I want to share this necessarily on the screen. No, I just tell the numbers. How um, many people hitting you up? Yeah. So I have uh, LH below normal. Duh. Um, the result is less than 0.3 MIU per ml. Um, and the same thing for FSH. So those are like very low range, very low levels. The range is 1.7 to 8.6 for LH and 1.5 to 12.4 for FSH. So I'm significantly below the range. I'm like 5X below or yeah. 6X below the bottom level for LH and the same thing for FSH, about 5X below that level. So will icing my balls twice per day in 90 days have the effect let's let's actually what are your thoughts do you think that if i'm icing my balls twice a day uh by the way we just filmed another episode and i was icing my balls while we were doing that episode i got up to go to the bathroom and put the ice back back in the freezer <laughs> <laughs> nice i don't know i don't know if icing the balls is going to like overcome you know testosterone suppression in the body i mean i'm not saying it doesn't have any benefit i just don't know if you're gonna be able to overcome that I mean, you could still get, I mean, you could still, you could still get your girl pregnant right now. You don't know that, you know, like nature, nature finds a way sometimes, mm -hmm. but I mean, and it's, in, well, I guess, I guess they've known for a while that if you wear like uh like tidy whiteies or you wear something that's really constrictive on your balls is that, you know, your, your sperm count would go down because of the heat basically. So I mean, you're doing the opposite of the heat. Now I don't know how effective that would be. I mean, I don't think it could hurt unless you go like crazy. But my pool right now is 72 degrees. So I could I could literally go and basically ice my balls just by swimming at this point. <laughs> uh, um, on a complete tangent, but you mentioned your pool. And I had heard this theory the other day. And I, mean, and I was like, oh, wow, that makes 100% sense. You know how we, in the fitness community, people talk about lists, like low intensity, steady state uh, cardio, right? L-I-S-S. Yeah. Or you talk about hit high intensity uh, interval training, right? Yeah, and and two those are two forms of cardio I like list better. And, and you talk about like whether the elliptical or the stairmaster or other things like that actually will burn more calories. Like I like walking back backwards because that's more effective than walking forwards at burning calories. You burn like you know forty percent more at a flat surface that seems to be going either direction or like double the the amount going forwards if you walk at an incline right so i like that and then i heard this the other day and i haven't confirmed it uh but it makes perfect sense if you swim for your cardio you'll actually burn way more calories and it has not to do because you're like oh because i'm using my arms right for swimming no it's because 
what you just mentioned about the water temperature. Because the water temperature is colder than your body. Your body is trying to stay warm. And so it'll yeah. push energy to the surface level of your skin to stay warm while you're doing this. So you actually burn substantially more calories swimming in than you would if you did the same exact amount. You don't have to swim for cra like crazy. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's like, I want to go through and actually do more activity in the water to just have it more of an efficient, efficient cardio because of that. That's pretty cool. That makes sense. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. You you were talking about uh, a new business that you're starting uh, before we came on and how you have a very interesting story that you wanted to share with us. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'll just, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. It's called uh, ultimategymtowel.com and I also own bestgymtowel.com. And it, it came from me going into the sauna. So at the gym, when you go in the sauna, you know, I, the way I was doing it was I was essentially either taking my shirt off, which is a kind of a given either way. Um, but then I was, I was wearing my shorts and my boxers or my boxer briefs when I was in the sauna. And if you've ever been in a sauna, you sweat like a son of a bitch, you know? So I was getting out of the sauna, my pants and my underwear are both soaked with sweat. And then I'm getting into my car and I'm, you know, leaking sweat all over the seats. And then you know, I work from home, so I would I would typically take off my gym pants, shower, put them back on, and just wear them while I'm while I'm working. And they were just they were damp, so I'm like, shit. I guess I could bring a towel, and then I could wear a towel in the sauna, and I could basically be naked in the sauna. Um, and then I was like, you know what? Let me add some shit to this towel. So I actually took a prototype and I bought Velcro strips, and I put Velcro on either side to make it to where you could basically tie it around your you know velcro it around your waist and i was like huh this works pretty well so what else can i do i said well let's let's put some pockets on it so i can carry my like fat grips i could carry my lifting straps i could put my phone my keys in there and i was like fuck it what else can we put on there let's make it hold my water bottle so long story short i incorporated all this into a microfiber towel and I'm, I'm, they're being made as we speak but here's where i almost fucked up so I was putting together the logo and I was putting together all this stuff. This was late at night. I was tired, you know, but I needed to get it done. And right before they start manufacturing them, the girl tells me, she's like, I found big mistake. She's like, you mess up on word. It would have been the old Olmatet gym towel because I forgot a T. So, <laughs> so I would have had a bunch of these printed and they would have all landed here in the United States and it would have been the Olmet gym towel. So. Oh man! <laughs> hey, I thought of an idea while you're doing that. Um, is it possible to have a a strap, even if it's an aftermarket strap, so that it could actually double as like a gym bag if you have all those pockets? It's possible. I mean, it's possible. You could, but the pockets aren't massive. I mean, it's not like you're putting a weight belt in there or something like that. It's going to be like you know, keys, phone. You could fit fat grips. You could fit lifting straps and. Like my idea is that it's it's not going to replace a gym bag. I mean, if you're one of those guys that's got a gym bag, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're still going to have to bring a gym bag. But if you're just a normal guy like me and you bring an accessory or two once or twice a week and you just want to be able to, you know, carry your phone and put a water bottle in there, it'll it'll work well for you. 
Oh, okay, 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 cool. I thought there was going to be like a bunch of pockets. Uh, no, the- no, there's two, two, two good size pockets that you there, and then it's got a, like an elastic, like kind of like mesh material where you could slide your water bottle on, so you could kind of carry that around with you. Okay, dope. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that when we get the prototypes in here. So that's that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited. That I just need to be- find. I need trying to find a bunch of hot chicks. Um, that I can get to take pictures of it so I can put it on the website. But obviously I don't want to get divorced over this and I don't want to pay an agency like five grand out of Miami or something. So try if you know hot chicks that want a free towel and take pictures, let me know. Yeah. Okay. So where should people reach out to you? No, don't really. <laughs> no, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll figure it out. We live in uh, Florida. There's lots of hot chicks in Florida. I'll, I'll make it happen. Instagram, test your levels. You yep. can reach out there. You can send him a DM over there. Uh, <laughs> he's super active, but you can reach out, uh, test your levels, uh, and and help out uh, with the brand on that as well. Uh, interesting. We had um, we had talked about GLP ones. Oh, just had- just real quick, we I just wanted to mention that the last or the the Velcro. That's the best part of it. That I can, you could literally, if you wanted to, you could put the towel on with your clothes on pull your pants and your boxers down and you're going to be in a towel where I really don't care. I'll take my pants off at the gym, but I thought that was a cool discreet thing. And then you can wear the towel in the sauna. You sweat on the towel, you get out, dry yourself off, put your clothes on and you're good. So anyway, less, less shameless plugs. When when you were actually describing this, um, you know, those like, I feel like there's a shitload of products like that for women, right? Like I feel like there's like something in my mind and it's like, uh, a, a nice towel type material and it has like little scrunchy on the edges and people, women will like carry it over their neck and they'll fucking like wrap it around their boobs or something. Yeah. Or there's like, there's like a, a towel where it's got Velcro on it and you like wrap it around. You know how like girls will wear it like around, we just wear it around our waist and they'll yeah. wear it around their chest. Right. And it's long enough, generally speaking to cover up their hips as well. Uh, and I feel like there's a boatload of products like, uh, like that for, for women. I'm curious to know how you're going to, how would the marketing of that's going to, you know what I mean? Is like, what's the best way to uh, to market that? That'll be interesting. I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some videos. I'm going to do some cool videos, like make like a parody infomercial, you know, like I'll going to show a guy like, you know, getting ready to go get out of his car and go to the gym. And it's like, he'll be like dropping his keys and his protein bottle is going to roll off. And he's going to be like, Oh my God, you know, this is so confusing and hard. You know, if only I had a towel that had pockets, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> hey, when you do that, uh, Hey, we should do the disc golf and we'll meet up and I'll help you film that. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Good shit. Good shit. But we were talking about GLP one agonist. Yes. That's what I'm taking is semaglutide. That is in that family. Um, and then, yeah, so we found a, a study and I feel like I've been talking a lot, but so I found this today and it was GLP one receptor agonist, which is like semaglutide, terzepatide, liraglutide. There's this other one that is in here that I've never heard of, but that's like your Ozempic, your Mongiorno. Those are like super popular for diabetes. And it says that they induce growth hormone secretion in healthy volunteers. So I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. I wonder if that's helping contribute to some of the weight loss that, um, you know, people are experiencing. So human growth hormone. That's a really good good point, right? So like the title of this, for anybody who's listening, it says GLP-1 receptor agonists induce growth hormone secretion in healthy adults. 
And that's a really good point because HGH, what? Helps with fat loss, right? So go, go ahead and finish getting into this, but that's a very good point. Yeah, so, you know, human growth hormone, essential regulator of growth, all that good stuff. Um, Glucagon-like peptide 1, which is GLP-1, has been shown to exert pleiotropic, pleiotropic effects, including stimulation of the activity of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, um, exerts metabolic effects. We hypothesize that they may also affect the secretion of GH, and they examined it. And I'm not going to get into the, let's not get into the whole study, but let's go to the results. Administration of a single dose of exenatide, which is the one I've never heard of, one caused a clear increase in GH levels peaking between 60 and 120 minutes post-administration. There was also a small statistically significant decrease in luteinizing hormone and testosterone levels after 120 minutes. Um, administration of the long-acting GLP liraglutide daily for 21 days elicited an increased GH levels with no change in IGF in concentrations after three weeks of treatment. The results of the administration of GLP may elicit a, an increase in growth hormone levels. Um, GLP-1 signaling may be a novel mechanism of regulation of GH secretion. This finding needs to be replicated. So that's that's pretty interesting. And you know what I was thinking? You, I'll hear what your thoughts are. You know, I was thinking, dude, semaglutide or any of these would be like phenomenal for like bodybuilders, like when they're like, you know, getting into those final weeks of prep. And if they uh, also increased growth hormone, you know, that would just be the, you know, icing on the cake. So they wouldn't be hungry. Their blood sugar would be lower. They'd have high IG or GH. That's pretty interesting. It's an interest. They're interesting medications. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking up that, um, exentatide or whatever, however you say that. And uh, only has a short plasma half-life of 2.4 hours wow. uh, and an action time of eight hours, right? So where glutide has, I think, a 24-hour half-life, uh, an active life or something like that. So that's kind of interesting. Also, when we were looking at this, I was thinking of, because what does the GLP-1 do? Right? It affects the i think it's the latex cells and not the latex cells um <laughs> i was thinking about my testosterone levels there for a second uh <laughs> clearly uh um, so it, it it affects i think the beta cells around the pancreas and the in, incorrects or something like that and the incarnate agonists or something is what they're called and it like helps protect them as well as potentially like uh making them more efficient at producing insulin and one of the effects of them is it slows down gastric emptying, but also increases like the say, say, like what, yeah. what's that word? Is that word say, like sensation of being feeling full? I hate that word. It's like satiety and like you're satiated. That's a dumb word. Yeah. Okay. So satiation or whatever it is. Right. Okay. So what's an, what's another thing that is kind of related to, hunger and feeling hungry that is different than satiation uh or leptin levels ghrelin. ghrelin yeah so i wonder if they have any studies on glp ones related to ghrelin right because what do we know about ghrelin well hexarelin 
MK677, epimorelin, uh, GHRP2, GHRP6. These are all ghrelin agonists. So I wonder, I, I want to look this up. I'm gonna, you, I want you to talk about for something for a second. I'm going to try to look this up and see yeah. if I can see something because that would be very interesting. If you have a GLP-1 and it has a, it's an agonist on the ghrelin receptor, then you have a, my, it's probably a partial, right? But you have a partial, you could have a partial agonist on the ghrelin receptor that increases HGH, which, which is interesting. But go ahead, talk about something for a second. I'm going to try to find that. Just a heads up, where you were just a second ago, like your mic is pretty directional. Like if where you were just there a second ago, it sounded perfect. And then when you just got a little bit over, like it got like kind of muffled and louder. I don't know. These It's crazy how these new mics, and if you guys are watching, I have one of these mics. It's like you'd think for fucking $200, this thing should be able to like pick up sound from everywhere, but they're very directional. It's weird. So um, is it is it good here? That one's a little muffled. So turn your move your head a little bit, a little bit. Uh, other way, other the side way. over here, over that's a little side. better. That right there is like perfect. Oh, that's interesting. I tried to mute it when I went to move it because when I when people uh listen to it and they and I move the mic and I'm talking, they say it's extremely loud and uncomfortable. But right. go ahead and talk about something. I'm gonna see if I can find something really quick on it. Yeah, I was actually, I've been watching a lot of Tony Hughes' YouTube channel recently and he's. He's been really ramping up the content. He's been putting out some really, really good content. And I like Tony. I think he's a really nice guy. So go check out Tony Hughes' YouTube channel on uh, on YouTube and check it out. But he did a whole uh, a whole video on insulin. And it was really interesting. He was really going about, um, and you know, and the reason this ties in is because the semaglutide and these GLP-1 agonists, they kind of prompt the pancreas to produce more insulin, which in turn lowers your blood sugar. Um, but what he was saying and, you know, and I've always kind of commonly thought this too. I'm like, you know, if these bodybuilders are taking insulin, you know, they're fucking up their insulin sensitivity and they're messing with all this. And he actually made an interesting point saying that like, you know, not everyone, but if you're a bodybuilder and, you know, bodybuilders have to eat a lot of carbs, he says, if you're taking, you know, a normal amount of insulin, like one to three IUs before like a big carb meal, he's like, you're actually kind of, you're giving the pancreas a little bit of a break. You know, you're not making it produce all this huge amount of insulin to do this. So, you know, your pancreas is going to last longer. It's going to work better because you're not, you know, taxing it so much because you're giving it exogenous insulin to keep your blood sugar normal. And I was like, huh, that's a really interesting way to think about it. I've never messed with insulin and I really don't, you know, I have no reason to do it because I'm not a bodybuilder and I'm currently doing carnivore, but I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. And you know, people will be like, oh, if you're taking insulin, you know, you're going to die. You're going to this and that. And I was like, huh, kind of actually makes a good amount of sense in the right scenario if you're a bodybuilder, you know, and obviously we're not doctors. So don't listen to us. Uh, yes. Okay. So, so uh, thanks for sharing that. This is very interesting. And I feel like um, I'm glad I went down that rabbit hole. So I found a study here where this is, let me get to the top of the study, uh, glucagon-like peptide 1 interact interacts with ghrelin and peptin, which is you know also related to hunger and, and satiation or whatever, a regulation, uh, regulate glucose uh, metabolism and food intake through vagal something signaling. And in, in this, they go through and they talk about how 
GLP-1s actually affect uh, growing. So this is a quote from here. GLP-1 induces insulin secretion, which you just mentioned, uh, and ghrelin attenuates the release. So I think is what they're saying. So the GLP-1 has a, a positive effect on insulin and it attenuates uh, ghrelin. I, I, is that, am I understanding that correctly? Is this how you would read it as well? I don't, I'm, I'm not super familiar with the word attenuate. Uh, it's reduce or impact or lower. So um, it says attenuate. Oh shit, you already had this pulled up. I like it. Because I was reduce like, what's the force? Reduce, reduce yeah. the force. Interesting. Right? So if we if you look at this, as GLP-1 induces insulin secretion and ghrelin attenuates, so it's reducing the impact of ghrelin. Am I understanding that correctly, or is there something I'm missing here? So let's just replace the word attenuate. So GLP-1 induces insulin secretion and the ghrelin reduces the force of the release and increases blood glucose concentrations. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, some of these studies are like, like I said, like legal talk, you know, where it's like double negatives and it's flipped. But there is evidence yeah. that there is an interaction between ghrelin and GLP to regulate the insulinotropic effects. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, interesting. So I think that uh, it, might, I mean, I don't know if we have the direct data yet, but it might go through and actually affect ghrelin levels, which is yeah. what also MK677 does to increase HGH. That is interesting. And I'm taking both of those right now. So that's like <laughs> MK677 is like, yo, give me some more ghrelin. And, and the semaglutide's like, nah, nah, bitch, you ain't getting none of that. You're good. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, uh, I do plan on starting a uh, uh, IGF-1 LR3 to wow. test. And and then I don't have, oh, here, actually I do. Um, we only have a couple minutes left here, but this is uh, ACE-10031. So this is from Acceleron Pharma's ACE-031 increases lean body mass in phase one single dose clinical trial. So this was from the other day. Uh, ACE is a um, myostatin inhibitor, right? Myostatin limits the growth of uh, muscles, right? And so that's where you always talk about the bulls or those those yeah. dogs. Those so is this like a newer, this is like a different YK11? Yes, yes. But this is done in humans. This yeah, one's done sure. in humans. You know how there's barely any data with YK11? Yeah. This is in humans. So... Um, and this is from a highlights from the other day. ACE031 produced rapid, sustained, and dose-dependent increases in lean body mass and muscle volume. And uh, bone formation and positively uh, alter positive biomarkers of fat mass. So basically it helped reduce body fat, helped increase bone mineral density, helped increase uh, muscle volume, so the size of that and lean body mass. Like this is... This is incredible. And this is was this was from one dose. Yeah, I'm going to think take a wild stab. This doesn't make it to uh, to FDA trials. <laughs> it's too good for you, bro. This is one dose. Imagine one dose, and you could put on muscle mass. One dose. That's pretty sick. So they had this study here, 
This is a, the, uh, a single ascending dose study of muscle uh, regulator ACE031 in healthy volunteers. Uh, it was a double-blind bl- double placebo-controlled. Contr- placebo they were looking for primary outcomes of safety pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics in 48 uh, women, postmenopausal women. They gave a dose of, I think it was 0.2 milligrams per kg up to 3 milligrams per kg, right? So for a dude that's 300 mil, like for me, uh, let's say 105 kg or something like that, this is uh, um, 300 milligrams roughly-ish for a dose, right? Uh, at At the top end and 2 milligrams on the low end. Statistically significant increases in lean body mass. They gave them one dose. This is crazy. And and thigh muscle uh, volume were observed at day 29 in the three milligram per kg group. Statistically significant changes in serum biomarkers suggest ACE also improved the bone and minerals. This was from a separate study than the first one I did. Uh, so this is like something that's extremely powerful. I have a couple more uh, other highlights here. Research in mice indicates that maximal skeletal muscle growth can be attained with myostatin inhibitors like ACE. Furthermore, it appears that blockade of myostatin by multiple avenues is hmm. beneficial. So I saw that and I was like, you mentioned YK11, right? YK11. Yeah. And ACE, the half-life on this thing is like, I think it was plus two days or something like that. I'm sorry, uh, two weeks, two weeks. So think about being (laughs) like doing, and this, they noticed this in the single dose style, single dose one that I just talked about with women, the results were observed after 29 days. Yeah. I was going to mention that. Like that's, so this is like, this is like YK11 mixed with DECA. Like as far as half life, like that's insane. Now is, is this now is this considered? Because I know YK11 is grouped into the SARM category because it's sold as a research chemical. But I know that um, uh, what's his name, SARM's Info on uh, on Instagram. And if you're not following SARM's Info, he puts out a lot of really good information. So go check him out. Big shout out. Really nice guy. Talked to him a few times. Um, but he was saying that YK11 is closer to a steroid than it is to a SARM. And I can't remember the exact reason why, but he compared it similarly to TREN. Um, so Interesting. Is this, I don't know. I could, I could be wrong on the comparing it to TREN, but I think so. Is this, I mean, does it mention, is it, I mean, is this a pill 300 milligrams or are they pinning this? Uh, so this is a pin. Uh, so uh, it's a synthetic protein made up. So a peptide, right? Uh, it's made up of activin. Um, What's it called? ACE one hundred three. ACE zero one three. I'm sorry. Three one zero three one zero three one. Activin receptor type two B and immunoglobulin. It binds to the myostatin and related proteins within muscle, rendering them inactive. So it has the effect on myostatin to make it inactive inside the muscle. Like it's super duper fucking expensive, but because I already looked at the price for myself, but like what $175 for one milligram. Right. So, but, and remember the the dose, the one that we just looked at was 
on the low side, it was two milligrams for a hundred kg dude. So somebody that's my size, uh, roughly. So two milligrams per, but think about this, two milligrams per month, right? Would you be $350 per month, right? Yeah. Like if you could get it cheaper than that, I think that the lower dose over a longer period of time, I don't think yeah. you necessarily need the 300 milligrams. Yeah, it like it's cool that you could do it once, but you don't have to. Yeah, exactly. And then what if you, you because you like, imagine the effect of like a dude taking 300 milligrams of this thing for like, like you do it every week or like if you did it every two weeks, it's so like kind of like with the half-life, right? Every two weeks for like six months, like you would probably fuck something up. They have, this is so that, that, that powerful, right? From one dose. Like that study seems crazy though. Like why such a huge variance in the dosage? You know, that's like, if they were doing this with Tylenol, we're like, all right, give you 500 milligrams. And then the other group, we're going to give you 50,000 milligrams. (laughs) I wonder if, I wonder if the 300 milligrams is oral and the the three milligrams would be pin. There's no way Uh, someone 300, 300 times in a row. It was injected. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, because I saw it's considered a peptide, so it is injectable. It's just, it's just 300 milligrams just seems like crazy for this for this compound, at least. Well, so the, they they what they were looking for was safety. So that's probably why. In this study, the first thing, the, one of the primary outcomes um, was they were looking for safety, right? So if you get fucked up at 300 milligrams and that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Word is that Ronnie Coleman was actually the first person in this study. <laughs> really, oh, really? You're, you're just making this shit up or is I'm that making this shit up uh, that's uh, crazy though and that's i mean because myostatin is a very powerful pathway i mean it's you look at those uh, dutch blues or whatever they are the bulls i mean they're fucking they're they look like bodybuilders that are cows and, and they don't and, even try and think about this dude we have the androgen receptor like taken care of right we have yeah. SARMs. we have lots of different steroids right so there's like the antigen receptor cool we got that down right you've got plenty of fucking different shit for taking care of the antigen receptor. Yep. hgh again we have a boatload of different options for hgh whether it's actual hgh whether it's like there's like 20 different fucking peptides for hgh right so we have that side down you know what side we don't have down is myostat. Myostatin. There's the, there's the myostatin folostatin like uh, relationship where they both try to keep each other in check. Yeah. Okay. So now think about this, right? Because the, the folostatin, what is it? The folostatin 344. I've never seen anything positive about that in any reviews or anything like that. Um, but check this out. Researching, because like there's, there's people who care to lift heavy weights, right? Like, some people really enjoy lifting heavy weights. It's not something I necessarily do because I prefer more hypertrophy training, but research in mice indicates that ACE031 can improve force generating capacity in muscle tissue, in part by preserving energy supply and shifting muscle thermodynamics towards oxidative respiration. And so like the effect of this is not like by doing, there's something we were talking about recently that increased mitochondrial function to raise ATP levels. And that's oh, energy. Red light therapy, I think. Oh, yeah, you're right. Red light therapy, right? So red light therapy increases ATP, right? Or, or thus energy. So what it's saying is 
in part by preserving energy supply. So it's not even creating more energy, but it's actually shifting the thermodynamics and increasing oxidative respiration. So how I understand oxidative respiration is like increase in oxygen, right? And what did we talk about? I think it was this episode. You need fucking oxygen in the form of fresh blood, right? Yeah. You can think of fresh blood as oxygen because without that, you're fucking dead. In the mice, administration of ACE031 improved maximum and total contractile force by 40 and 25% respectively. You know how people use whole, uh, holostatin or what's that steroid that's like? Halotestin. Halotestin. Halotestin right before like a meat to lift heavy weights. Bro, they can use something like this in conjunction with that to stack. Increasing your, <laughs> your force production by like forty percent, like that's a cool that's a cool compound. I'm gonna look into that. Not that I'm gonna like take it, but I just think the research on that would be fucking amazing. I mean, it's never yeah. gonna make it. It's never gonna make it to to become a medicine because it's it actually works and it does good shit. Can you imagine juicing up grandma with one milligram and within a month she's just fucking jacked out of her mind? No, <laughs> imagine imagine dudes taking like a gram of that. Oh, they will. Someone will. <laughs> But like, and, and they're spent like like liver king, right? And you spent like twenty grand a month, and you go, you go from a fat blob to like, holy shit, this dude's got a six pack. He's because what does it say? Increase muscle mass, decrease fat mass, increase uh, bone mineral density, right? Like, and and what is what is increase in muscle and a decrease in fat also have a side effect on they your muscle. Increased muscle means that your body mass index tends to go up, right? Because you need more calories with more muscle, which also then has a positive effect on your blood sugar levels, which has a positive effect on your insulin sensitivity. Like it just has like all these other benefits to it by having more muscle. I don't know. I was like, this compound's fucking super interesting. We should have started off the episode with that. Actually, How many uh, bottles did you buy? <laughs> uh, yeah. 175 times 10. Uh, <laughs> well, shit. Um, well, well, speaking about calories, I think we probably round this out and I need to get some calories. Um, but before we go, um, we're trying to grow this, guys. Um, we really enjoy doing this. We're trying to 10x this in 90 days. So if you're still with us, A, you're fucking awesome. B, if you could just click on a, the plus sign, the thumbs up, the star, share it with someone, we would definitely appreciate it because uh, we're trying to get this to the masses. So Thank you guys for your support. We love you. You're awesome. I'll let Sam take us out. We have uh, about uh, 1,900 listens over the last period that we just checked. And uh, 10x, that would be 19,000. And uh, 90 days is mid to end of May. So the only way we're going to be able to actually do that is with your help. So leaving a review or subscribing would be Super appreciated, and uh, you're fucking awesome. We will see you guys in the next episode, episode number 53. Peace.